welcome to the International Bus Podcast, brought to you by Wordbee. My name is Tanja Falkner, and this episode is a recording of a recent experts panel about terminology management. If you want to learn from experts what the benefits and challenges are, how to handle a terminology management project, how it has evolved over the years and where it is going, then stay tuned and enjoy the discussion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our panel discussion today. This experts panel is going to be about terminology management, and it's brought to you by Wobi and hosted by my colleague, Brahim Ayun, and myself, Tanya Falkner. We are also very excited to welcome three experts here with us today, so namely Isabella Massardo, Gabriela Sauberer, and Detlef Reimecke. And we'd like to invite you to take a moment to maybe introduce yourselves. <laughs> Isabella, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Gabriela. <laughs> Okay, so I'm a translator, a terminologist, and a trainer. And I've been working in the translation industry since 1991. And I am ECQ8 Terminology Manager certified by the Terminate Institute, where Gabriele teaches. <laughs> Thank you, Isabella. I'm Gabrielle, Gabrielle Sauberer. I'm head of the Terminate Group, which are three organizations, the International Network for Terminology. It's a non-profit organization, but we also have a limited company, Terminate Business GmbH, and also an affiliate in Canada, Terminate Americas. So I'm excited to be here. And I launched 100 years ago, no, 10 years ago, we launched the, this European Certificate for Terminology Professionals with ECQA, the European Certification and Qualification Association. We have more than 400 certified people all over the world, and I'm very proud that Isabella is, is joining us uh, today. Thank you. Okay, well, my name is uh, Detlef Reinecke. I'm professor at uh, the Faculty for Translation and Interpreting at the University of Las Palmas de Gran Canaria here on the Canary Islands. My background is a translation background. I studied technical translation a long time ago at the University of Hildesheim in Germany. My, my teaching is focused basically on terminology and translation technologies. And besides, I'm also active in international and national standardization in ISO TC 37SC3, which deals with the management of terminology resources. And currently I'm leading a project, uh, a standards project, which is uh, number 26162, which deals with design of terminology databases and terminology management systems. And besides, I do a lot of other things, but I, maybe <laughs> we can talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for introductions and welcome on the panel. We're glad that you were available to join us today and are happy to have you. Thank you. So let's dive on in. Before we go into the nitty gritty, we actually thought, you know, since this is a terminology panel, we want to talk about some terms and define some terms that are going to be relevant throughout our discussion. The terms that we want to talk about are term mining, data modeling, data engineering, and labeling. Wow. And <laughs> maybe you just all, you know, take a pick um, <laughs> and provide our listeners with a definition of your favorite term. <laughs> Gabriela, you want to start? No, I don't start. I have my experts for that, you know. I'm neither a translator's background nor a terminologist. I'm selling terminology mainly, you know. So uh, you pick the right ones. But 
I'm very glad that you didn't pick terminology itself because this term is, is the most trickiest you can imagine. So please, Detlef, uh, Isabella, you are the experts. Go ahead with uh, text mining would be something for Detlef, huh? Prof, Prof Reinecke, tell us, text mining. I would like to start out maybe with data modeling because... Um, yeah, even more uh, your subject, exactly. Data modeling yeah, goes to the heart of terminology data management, really, because if you do not have notions, uh, data management notions, data modeling notions, it's very hard to set up uh, good quality terminology databases. So uh, my first statement. Yeah, but the definition, my dear, data modeling, like in your standards, data modeling... Well, it deals with how to organize data categories within a database. Okay. So this would so, be a so would you say that left that it's all about how these terms are are structured and uh, all of the properties around them? The terms are not really structured in a term base. What you have in a term base or in every database is that you have on the one hand you have let's say, classes of data fields, which we call data categories, like, for example, definition or source or term. And on the one, on the other hand, you have data elements, and terms are data elements, really. And you need to organize these data categories or the data fields and the data elements in a way that they comply with the terminology theory. So basically, we could say well, data modeling deals with how to structure your terminological entry, the concept entry. How would that differ from uh, data engineering? Well, data engineering is a more broader approach to well, data modeling would just be a part of data engineering because there are more issues, more technical issues to in data engineering than in data modeling. Okay, thank you. Isabella, do you want to take a go at term mining? Sure. Actually, I'm tempted to ask Siri, but I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> Go away, uh, Isabella. <laughs> well, it seems that's what everybody does in these days. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say that term mining is actually extracting information from a corpus, selecting or extracting terms, uh, reference terms from a corpus. And that's something that sounds really complicated, but it's something that translators do every day and they have to do it very quickly because, of course, they work with deadlines, very short deadlines. So we translators, I think we are uh, kind of the speedy Gonzalez of term mining, <laughs> finding the right corpora, extracting the right terms, validating them, go back to your client with the terms, have them validated, come back to your text and work on that's something that we do almost automatically. So term mining sounds like a, a big word for us translators, but it's actually daily practice. Mm, very true. Perfect. Thank you. All right. I think that sets us up for a good conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> so our like first real question would then be, are there any misconceptions about what terminology management is or how it's perceived? What is your experience? In principle, we still face the complete ignorance of people not from the translation sector or from language, let's say the language specialists. They know, of course, increasingly engineers and at least in the software business start to understand because they get stuck. They, they really feel already the pain. But usually, let's say 80 percent 
I'm very optimistic usually, but in this case, I think worldwide, 80%, if not more, of people, even in large corporations, you know, just completely ignorant of the existence of language management, that you have to manage your own corporate language, you know, first before you can send something out to be translated. And this, you know, the notion of quality through terminology, as we put it, that this is really that correct and consistent terminology is a key quality issue, you know, in each and every profession and science. This is still ignored and just, you know, not because people are so stupid, you know, or they don't do it on purpose. It's just not on their radar. It's not on the radar of management teams, you know. It pops up when it already really, really hurts. And these cases are getting more numerous, you know. 30 years ago, a TermNet was founded. My organization, International Network for Terminology, was founded to create a market for terminology products and services, which meant that there was actually nothing. Yet, yeah? Trados uh, was a, a tiny EU project and the result of an EU project and so on. And now look at us. There is an industry. There is a language industry. There is even a terminology industry. You know, this is good news, of course, but 30 years and it will last another, will take us another 30 years to really to have more understanding, to still we need to raise awareness of the importance of terminology management. So there is still a lot of things to do. And sometimes it's really a, a bit scary yeah, how low the level of awareness, even in, in product liability, you know, it still is when it comes to terminology management. So that would be my statement. Still a lot of ignorance, still a lot of things to be communicated, 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 you know. If I may add, it's also the fact that, you know, I'm referring to the translation industry because that's the one that I know best. And in the translation industry, there's still this idea that terminology happens during the translation workflow. And it's something <laughs> yes. that's only and exclusively bilingual work. It's not. We should start talking about terminology also as monolingual terminology, you know, start before even content is produced or... Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest misconception for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. I couldn't agree more with you, Isabella. Yeah. But there's some hope at the horizon. I think there is some hope and I saw it, for example, when around 2014, many LSPs started to introduce machine translation, statistical machine translation, and everybody discovered, again, controlled languages. And everybody wanted to create an enterprise control. Well, not everybody, but some companies decided to start again with enterprise control languages. And of course, when you start creating your own enterprise control languages, you need terminology. You need to make sure that you have one concept, one term, and et cetera, et cetera. So that was kind of, you know, it's when it started, at least from what I saw, when it started to get better and terminology became again a little bit more popular. So, yes, I so Sure. There's hope. For all of these organizations, corporations who have these uh, misconceptions, some of them are quite uh, common, we understand it. So how do you manage to kind of educate them 
especially when you when you feel that you absolutely need from scratch because i'm guessing that in certain occasions they would come to you and say okay we understand that we have uh, some gaps and quality ha uh, is being impacted but where do we start and maybe what are the benefits of it maybe you allow me to go back a little bit because when i made the statement that there is hope at the horizon i wanted to add something or develop the idea in ISO, we are also dealing with artificial intelligence and industrial data. We could take the big picture of big data, for example, and you always come to the point that for all these applications, for all these applications, you need good quality data and even terminology. And uh, to make this system function, to make the system works. Actually, in ISO, terminologists are helping out other subcommittees to set up so-called dictionaries, the data dictionaries, which are multilingual data dictionaries that are used in artificial intelligence systems and in industrial product data. So for that reason, I wanted to say that there is horizon because we do not have to educate these people. They see the need for terminology expertise. Mm -hmm. So more and more applications are using data, Internet of Things, uh, smart cities, e-governance, and you always need or have a terminology component in these systems. I actually completely stopped preaching <laughs> about the, the importance of terminology. Uh, 20 years ago, I did. That's how I started. I went to a lot of conferences and fairs and, you know, and really tried to convince people about the importance of terminology. There is no use doing that. <laughs> now, people definitely approach us, you know, because they already feel the pain. I think this is really the best uh, prerequisite to have a problem, to get into troubles. And they do. It's natural. You can't avoid when you grow, even a smaller company, when you then grow, you can't avoid, you know, messing around with all these inconsistency. And, and it costs a lot of, of resources, your time, your, you know, your money to cope with all these errors, to correct things over and over again, to don't have a source of truth, meaning a, a terminology database, and so on. You know? So educating is fine. But when already there is that basic understanding of, hey, we have to do something with our data, with our own language, our monolingual terminology, as Isabella put it. So then it's actually way more efficient and effective to consultancy with organizations. Mm -hmm. So it's no use trying to convince people who are not at that level yet. You know, you need to feel the pain you need to have a, a motivation why to start with uh, terminology management because it is very time-consuming, consuming, it is costly, etc. So you need to be convinced already that it's worth doing, that you just, you know, have to cope with the issues you have. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's very difficult to make terminology translate into money because that's basically what what you have to do. And I understand you might want to give up because the effect of terminology is not something that it's short term. You see it in the long term. You know, you need to start and there's going to be a lot of pain, just like Gabriella said. <laughs> Gabriella, sorry, I'm pronouncing it the Italian way again. No, you should. It's, it sounds <laughs> way nicer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I agree. But sometimes it is necessary. We're not magicians. So we can translate terminology into money immediately. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. Even if, you know, you say you're that there's just no point into trying to convince people. And 
there is the obvious aspects of benefits like saving time and money in the long term obviously takes time what are the major benefits do you see with terminology uh, terminology mm -hmm. management mm -hmm. how much time do we have <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's focus on the major ones <laughs> clearer communication better translation better qual translation quality better turnaround better time to market in your translation workflow i'm just talking about the translation of course less customer complaints if your technical or in general your documentation is clear i don't know do you guys want to add something maybe Detlef, go ahead well <laughs> the my, benefits maybe, of terminology maybe my you got, turn is get a job you have a professorship that's the <laughs> well let me explain that uh, professor is ambig in english because they do not expect <laughs> the situation here in Spain, because in Spain, an instructor is also called professor. Ah, okay. And uh, I'm something in between a German professor and a <laughs> instructor. So oh, Okay, very good. Well, I, I thought that maybe my... So, what my are the benefits? Because I can also, like, like Isabella, it's my job to promote and market terminology management, so I could endlessly... <laughs> I'm more out. on the technical side of terminology management. I'm more engaged in involved in things like uh, data exchange programming so i'm not a business guy let's say and maybe you know, i if we talk about tbx and and programming skills for terminologists uh, i have to say something more <laughs> you know we do a lot of consultancy with large corporations and usually it's me to kickstart the project. I'm good in pioneering. It's exciting. It's always new. It's so nice for me because you can kind of audit. You're doing assessments. You're just creating a nice atmosphere and then asking people how they are involved in terminology creation, you know, the level of, of usage, yeah, and what are the challenges they are facing and what they think how the company organization could overcome it, you know. And actually, my job is really the best one because I'm just asking and then I'm taking notes because the whole wisdom is already in the organization. People know much better than external consultants and external terminology experts what is the problem and what could be the solution, you know. And from my point of view, the most and major benefit is less frustration in an organization. It's more fun. It's not only the safe time and, and resources. That's true. That's for our rational thinking, you know. But if you dive deeper into the life of an organization, because an organization is composed of human beings yeah, still, <laughs> and the frustration you feel there when the, there is all this, you know, this struggle with language. Language is very, very sensitive. You know, you have to swear in your people to your language. Yeah. So we cannot uh, underestimate also the power and the emotional importance of language. And if this is treated carelessly, if there are, as I said earlier, if all the same mistakes are popping up, up over and over again and, and people waste their time to correct and, and this uncertainty. Ah, oh, we had a, a fair last year, but there was all the descriptions, all the product names. Yeah, it starts there it, at a very high level. Even their own uh, 
product names and patents and stuff like that, you know, end up in a mess if they are not managed well. You know, this is all belonging to terminology, yeah, acronyms, all that stuff, all that daily stuff they deal with on a daily basis and they get nuts. So the frustration level is huge when terminology is not managed at all. And this is what we see actually when you sort that out, when you really involve people. Yeah, to sit down on a regular basis discussing new and existing terms and which term uh, we need to skip, you know, because it's outdated and so on. Yeah? You get a lot of this peace of mind and real fun, more, more fun, more, more contentment, more engagement, you know, and way less frustration. People are really so, sick and tired. So, Gabriella, you, you're proving that there is hope indeed, like that Jeff was saying. But uh, how do you clearly identify then the stakeholders who can yes. share their insights? Yes, because this is in, yeah. in a huge organization where so many people might be involved with uh, many departments, many types of yeah. uh, roles. Do you may, uh, primarily speak to pure linguists or to mm -hmm. how does it work? Thanks for the question. That's my favorite one because it's so easy actually to identify the stakeholders. Isabella, maybe you remember that was that, that favorite, uh, my favorite, very simple matrix. It's the power interest grid, we call it. It's from a standard. It's an annex of a standard, informative part of a standard about terminology uh, policies, actually. And there you have four boxes, you know, four, it's a four quadrants, patterns. And according to the power and to the importance, if somebody has a budget yeah, and likes terminology, has an interest in terminology management or in managing language, yeah, then this is your joker. You'd actually, in one organization, you need one person, one person who really has a say in the company, no matter from which department, you know, ideally it is management people, you know, or, or the boss, yeah, the better, or a good colleague uh, who has a, has, has a good line to the boss. Yeah? So one person who has high power and high interest in terminology management, yeah? then everything actually is fine. Yeah? And we sit down with people when we first uh, get an overview in, in an organization about terminology issues and who is involved in terminology creation. We get that first overview. Who is really interested in sorting out the terminology issues and who has the power to support the project, to give resources, not only financial, but also human resources. And then you have the people who have less power, but still great interest in your project. And they are you're also your, your jokers and you have to manage them. That's what the stakeholder management is all about. You have to inform them. You have to ask them yeah, for help, for their engagement, etc. So then also we sit down and put the names into this quadrant, you know. So with, with who is the one and people get excited when we start this way because then all of a sudden they understand and see wow there are quite a lot of already interested stakeholders mm -hmm. so we can you know mingle with them and join forces with them and on the other on the left side you have people with high power and low interest and with low power and low interest but you have to have an eye on them as well and to try 
if they have high power to get them on board because maybe they become also your champions that you can excite them as well you know wow them mm -hmm. with your with your terminology that's actually that's very easy we have very 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 easy tools for stakeholder management identification and management but it's of course not so easy yeah, uh, to implement it to dare to go to other departments and you know ask and, and build up alliances the communication is key and it's really weird actually that language practitioners usually are not that fond of communicating of using language to promote their case that's also what we are what we're really training people how mm -hmm. to sell terminology you know how to come up with a, a cost and revenue a return on investment calculations but mainly how to sell that how to get mm -hmm. the buy-in from those who have the power and this is actually 80% of the success of your terminology project if you identify and engage them and manage well these people who are interested in terminology. That, I, I can imagine that it might be maybe easier to get this uh, frustration from certain parties like uh, if I can imagine like sales teams having to deal with uh, some marketing materials exactly. where they feel like the wording is inconsistent from one exactly. document to another. So, yeah. yeah, yes. And if you join forces with these people, just invite them for coffee or for lunch yeah, and have a talk to them and ask them, how would you suggest to sort that out? You will get the best ideas. You know, they will work because they have they're very close to the clients. You know, they understand that we need to have a, a system and to organize language and terminology. They understand that. And if they partner with you, you get a lot of good ideas and good arguments, then how to sell it to those who have a budget. Because you need resources, of course. We, we gave mm -hmm. uh, courses and webinars about how to, you know, uh, get resources for terminology management. That's very important. So based on, like, you, you kind of talked a little bit now about how this all, how you get this started with the stakeholders. When we look at what is the right time of starting, you know, how to init initiate a terminology management project, what's the process look like, the different stages of terminology management? Can mm -hmm. we talk a little bit about that? Very interesting. Isabella, you know it from your stubborn <laughs> clients. <laughs> they refuse oh, stubborn clients. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I actually have a, a question for that left later on, if I may. But, so remind me, I just wrote it down. <laughs> so what was the question exactly? How do you start with terminology management in practice? Or Yeah, how do you initiate it and what does the process look like? What are the different phases? Ooh. Well, the ideal process would for a translation process, we're talking about a translation process yeah. here, right? Mm -hmm. So the ideal moment for me would be even before the translation starts, do the term mining, the term extraction, even before the translation starts, have the term translated, validated, look them up in corpora, in your translation memories. You know, ideally, if you should already have a glossary or a term base, but if you don't, then start working with your translation memories you'll even find that sometimes definitions are in your translation memories or you'll find what i call the free range definitions it's not an official term so if you look free range definition you'll probably find the definition of free range egg or chicken um, <laughs> by that uh, free range definition by that i mean you have a term and you know maybe between brackets or in another clause there's an explanation of that term so that's already a good start for for definition but 
Ideally, termino terminology work should start even before the translation process itself. You know, everything, every term should be already validated by the project manager, by the client, by, I don't know, the subject matter expert, you know, the persons that you have within your workflow. It depends how many people are there, of course. And then, and that way, you'll make the, tr the translation process easier for your translators and for your reviewers and uh, you work faster and you work better and uh, and so on so I, if you I, talk I don't about want to or Isabella, I, I don't want to sound negative or anything but I, I have this perception that it's a lot of work especially if you consider that you you might have for example for a typical translation company having to to build these uh, term bases for their own customers how often should they go and start creating a new term base because they're going to work on a daily basis with uh, on so many projects for different types of content so sure. and i guess it's sure. uh, it's hard to imagine that there there is this yeah. initial yeah, I know, but just think of the pain that you're going to go through if you don't do that, first of all, just referring to what Gabriela said before. And, you know, I talked about an ideal situation. Of course, you won't do terminology management if you have a, I don't know, a text of 600 words, but, you know, we're talking about higher volumes here. And I can't imagine that language service providers don't have already some vertical glossaries, at least, to start with. And if you're really desperate, and I hope you're not. There are glossaries that you can download from the internet. Think of the Yate. You can already download it, extract term, and start from there. I know there are websites where translators and language service providers exchange terminology, exchange glossaries and translation memories. Now, I'm not going to vouch for the quality of those language data, of course, but that could also be a good start. The, I just saw yesterday the... Um, World Intellectual Property Organization has a new term excellent. base. Beautiful. It's really yeah, beautiful. It's you can do a concept match yeah. search. It's yeah. amazing to even to look at, you know. So I think that's the ideal situation, of course. You're right, Brahim. It's difficult and you know, time is really short, but ideally it should be before the translation starts. Is that the right moment to ask your question to Detlef? <laughs> yes, okay. No, I was just um, very fasc I was fascinated by what Detlef was talking about, uh, data modeling and labeling and in, um, artificial intelligence, etc. And I came to terminology very late. I mean, my university degrees was a lot of grammar, translating, you know, literary translation, uh, lots mm. of Dostoevsky and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I came to terminology later because I needed to learn about terminology for my work, etc. But I'm asking that what are going to be the skills necessary for the terminologist of the future? Ah, because you talked about, question. you know, big data. We're, I mean, it's interesting because right now, from what I see when I give training on terminology management, most people are struggling with an Excel sheet. <laughs> Definitely. Not to yes. talk about TBX. <laughs> 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 I think there is only... It's very interesting and I'd like to know. Yeah. Hey, as you know, we like to keep things mostly non-commercial around here. And we like to just stick to interviewing the guests about fascinating subjects. But we would like to take a moment to mention a little bit about WordBee Translator. 
WordBee Translator is the translation management system developed by WordBee over the last 10 years. So we are celebrating 10 years now. It's all in one system, so you can manage projects. It also has linguistic tools. It has tools for finance, business analytics, and it's been around for 10 years, so it does pretty much anything you want. Before working for WordBee, I also used WordBee Translator. One of my favorite things about it was actually the invoicing because it made it really easy to manage supplier invoices, create them, and just not have to deal too much with the financial side of things. But other customers appreciate other things, like for example, it's a native cloud technology, so it's really collaborative. You know, you can keep track of what's going on in there at uh, any, any moment in your project. It's easy to set up different job assignment methods. You know, you can check your stats at any time. You can see how your project managers are performing. You can see how your translators are doing. And yeah, it does pretty much everything you want. It ends up fitting your organization like a glove, as we say. So that was just a word about Wordbee Translator. Now, without further ado, back to the podcast. I think that as the terminology studies are always associated with translation studies, I think uh, these studies are basically complete. And there's only one aspect that, in my view, is missing, and it is the data engineering aspect. Mm. Uh, because you just mentioned it, you can download a TVX file from IATA, WIPO has something, there is something. And uh, in most cases, it would not be necessary to create a new terminology database from scratch. You could fill your terminology database with existing terminology. But the problem is that terminologists normally do not have the skills, the knowledge to manipulate the data in order to get these data into their terminology databases so that it perfectly fits their needs. Mm -hmm. And this is my interest to push people who implement translation studies, terminology studies, to introduce these low-level programming skills in order to make terminologies more versatile in the sense that they can really download the data, manipulate them, and get them into their terminology database without asking non-terminologists a programmer, for example, which wouldn't be a solution either because non-terminologist programmers do not know nothing about terminology. So you have to give them lessons, give them lessons how to, and explain them how terminology works. The best would be this hybrid situation where terminologists also have some kind of programming skills. And I think uh, this is also an interesting and attractive idea at a personal and, and at a societal level, because there are a lot of initiatives Germany and the United States and Japan, they try to introduce these programming skills at the UNESCO IECD level two education, which means children from 10 to 16 years, secondary school. And the German state minister for digitization goes even further because she wants to have these contents even in primary school. So imagine what will happen to your jobs if these kids come to the market, to the labor market? So I think there is an urgent need that today's terminologists go mm -hmm. to the courses that offer Gabriele in the terminology summer school and learn more about these skills, for example. And maybe I can develop this idea a little bit more because when I say low level programming skills, what does this mean? This means that you have knowledge in 
XML technologies, JSON as well. You should also have some notions or good notions uh, in XSLT, which is an XML-based transformation language. Many people use Excel as a turn-based tool, which they shouldn't, but uh, many people do. And to get these data with good quality out of Excel and to share it with other people, you might also need some API programming knowledge, like for example, Visual Basic for Applications, in order to get your processes uh, in good shape. So all these things could be included, let's say in master studies, for example. Mm -hmm. And there are also some initiatives. I think the University of Graz has introduced some uh, skills in a project. I don't know what his name was, uh, Gabriele. Do you remember the name of this? Uh, no. This study. Well, there's something going on already, but as I stated, if kids are studying low-level programming today, uh, they will be good programmers when they come to the university and the labor market. And uh, this skill will just be considered as the other cultural skills like reading, writing, maths, mm. and programming. This is interesting because when yeah. Brahim and I were doing our research beforehand, and you know, we're not terminologists, and we were already saying like, oh, this is kind of technical. And that was before we were talking about chasing and coding. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, the, the reality is not so advanced, unfortunately, like that left described. It would be wonderful it could, if it could be already like that left describes, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. lower level. One day, right? one day will, yeah. it will be. Absolutely. <laughs> May I add something? Because I couldn't agree more with that. Definitely the basics, you know, like, Program, coding, programming. This is an XML, all these techie stuff. This is definitely necessary and still missing. Yeah. However, what I'm hammering, I really learned to, to hammer that into people in our summer schools and courses. Don't start with the techie stuff and the tools. You have to stuff, you have to start with people followed by processes and then come in the tools because this is what we are actually seeing all over the place that people start with the tools they think that oh but only if we have a, a decent system you know a term base a tool huh, then we are going to cope with our terminology and language issues which is not the case yeah we learned that first you you need as we talked earlier you mm -hmm. need to get the buy in from people you have to motivate them you have to really engage them because otherwise your wonderful tool and even your great integrated terminology process yeah will be dead they will not be used or okay one the terminology guy <laughs> will use the tool and nobody else so in many cases they don't even know that there is a tool and they wouldn't want to touch it because it's too uh, you know uh, unfamiliar with them so definitely we need both uh, we need to train people more in communicate, <laughs> communication, how to sell the value of terminology management and also the processes. Yeah? The processes are very important. We have seen so many standalone processes, you know, of, of how to manage terminology. Yeah? And if they are not integrated in the landscape, like with the tools, if, if a term base is a standalone that nobody wants to touch yeah, and nobody wants to maintain and, and feed, yeah, 
then you get into trouble. It needs to be integrated at least with interfaces in your entire IT landscape. And the same goes for the processes. Uh, that was the great value of the dissertation of Annette uh, Weiland. Yeah, she got the chance to work for Daimler. Yeah, and they really uh, started with, and to have her doctoral thesis there, and they really started at the very early stage with terminology management, not even in, uh, when it came to translation, but really in the developing phase where actually, you know, the terms, the new terms are created and product numbers are, are given, etc. And And then she came up with a very generic terminology process, and she called it the integrated terminology process, together, you know, with other business processes, integrated into the landscape of quality processes. This is where we have to be, you know, to really safeguard also not only efficiency of terminology management, but also sustainability. Yeah. So I think the, these three main fields and the related skills, people, processes, and tools, they are mm -hmm. equally important, but the, the order, you know, of starting a project, coming back to, to, your, to your early question, is definitely you have to start with people. If you, <laughs> you know, yeah. You're yeah, talking absolutely. about sustainability. How would you, do you guys have any tips as per how to assess the process was successful? Yeah, you're going to put lots of efforts in starting creating term bases and dig into the technical aspects of it and extracting the TBX fields or whatever. You're going to, to implement that at different phases with uh, content creators and uh, maybe translators, QA people. And mm -hmm. obviously it doesn't stop there. You will have to maintain it frequently. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it's going to be once a year or uh, once a project is completed each time, uh, mm -hmm. but how, how do you make sure that everyone is happy with this? I'm guessing that you have the end customer or user feedback, which is a, obviously... We, a, we translators say that if the client doesn't ring you back shouting, then you've done a good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's basically... That's not a good motto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the big test. If, if your phone doesn't ring off, if your email doesn't explode, then the client is happy. If he calls you again with another job, then he's happy. You know, it's something that you need to measure within a long period of time, of course. You can set KPIs if you're really fancy or, uh, you know, just first of all, just make sure, uh, as Gabriele said, that your process is really sound, that all the stakeholders are really working together. Have your subject matter experts, your encounter reviewers, etc. And of course, be patient because it takes a little bit of time. I think that's the main thing to say. And set KPIs if you want to, you know, but not everybody likes KPIs. So <laughs> moving on. So all right. Detlef, what about you? Assessment? <laughs> well, I think this is a very difficult uh, question because uh, uh, all projects are different and you need different assessment for different projects. So it's very hard to say that there is one way to assess. Would you maybe be able to answer this, uh, Detlef? So, uh, so translators are working and I'm guessing that the idea is also to make sure that, uh, to decrease the time and all of the questions and you might get from them to make the process efficient. So what would you say translators' expectations might be in terms of maybe the, the components of a term base? So is there any content type that is uh, obvious and should be there each time you work with a term base? 
can, can you think of any specific elements? This, my answer would be quite the same as for the previous question because uh, every term base is different. So <laughs> it always depends on the context where you use this, this term base. So, um, I think it's very easy, actually. <laughs> Sorry to, <laughs> to bring up a, a different position because we have these the standards. Yeah, uh, that if you you even mentioned this uh, the standards for data modeling and for for the term basis. So what uh, we do at Termnet and our clients, you know, they just want to have a sound evaluation yeah? because they wouldn't pay us money if the quality wouldn't be good. So we we have to first assess the state of the art. You know, and then to come up to ask in all these interviews, what is the the future state? Where do you do they want to go, and how do we measure if we are there? You know, so in these uh, commercial projects, if you wish, you have no choice. You have to come up with KPIs, and you have to show that you you know can tick the boxes with yes, 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 this is what we achieved. And actually, the standards give us a lot of help. You know, because we have this is what the huge consortium has agreed upon. You know, what is a quality indicator or a KPI? And you then simply, you know, tick your boxes. You compare where have you been, what was the state of the art, and uh, what was the the targeted uh, targeted goal, and are you there already? Yeah. And I, I think even with these requirements, yeah. People understand uh, what requirements are, and in particular, engineers. Yeah, they live from uh, requirements and, and software engineers. Yeah, it's, it's very easy actually to define, so to sit together with them and to define uh, with, as uh, Isabella pointed out, with the other stakeholders. Yeah, what would they want to see? Yeah? What would make their life easier? And that's also my key message always when I start and when it's the intermediary uh, report and, and sessions and at the end. Yeah? Did that make your life easier? That's my one single KPI, if you wish. Because if I did not manage with my terminology consultancy and my, my processes and my tools to make the life of the organization easier, then I completely failed. If I came up with a process which is too complex and which is not integrated, and if if I recommended to buy, uh, I don't know, which sophisticated tool and nobody is trained to, to use it or want, motivated enough to use it, then I failed. You know, I think it's really, really important to have a simple way of evaluation coming from both sides, from standards, from international quality standards, and from the clients, you know, from the various stakeholders of the terminology management. And please don't end up with uh, 500 criteria and KPIs, but with 10, you know, the 10 mm -hmm. common, <laughs> then this is uh, tangible, measurable, and feasible to do. I think that complexity is one of the reasons why people really don't want to touch language. They understand, they know that it's everywhere, language is everywhere. And if you tackle language and terminology, whoo, you know, uh, people are really afraid that it's then huge and overwhelming. Yeah? That's why we have to keep it simple and we have to bear in mind that the focus is on making people's life easier mm -hmm. <laughs> with, with terminology management. Yeah. 
So I would even say, if I may, I would even say forget about the standards and just look at the requirements of your clients. You know, yes, sometimes yes, it's yes. even that. But I wanted to say something. Gabriella said, I pronounced it correctly. See this time. <laughs> uh, Gabriella said, look at the process and then go for a technology or a tool, which is absolutely true. But it's also important that you talk to your technology provider because I can't imagine that a language service provider doesn't already have some kind of technology in place, whether a platform exactly. or a simple cat. So talk, collaborate with your technology providers, see whether they can help you to develop the right functionalities for you, mm -hmm. for your company. Talking about technology, that left, I actually want to go back to something you mentioned at the beginning because you're leading an ISO project that, you know, talks about or deals with the design principles of the development of terminology management systems. Can you tell us a little bit more about those principles and what's the state of the art of terminology management systems or maybe is there room for improvement? What are they lacking? Well, I think, um, well, the, this ISO standard uh, that you refer to is a kind of cookbook for terminologies, for terminologists to, to design terminology databases. So uh, what you find there is a kind of framework or uh, as we call it the terminological meta model how every terminology database should be structured in order to provide a certain interoperability between different tools and applications on the one hand and on the other hand the second part of the standard provides some let's say principal features that every terminology management system should uh, support and um, you can also use the standards as a checklist if you want. So my term by term base complies with this, with this and that and that. My terminology management system complies with 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 this and that. So I would say I would just make another statement because at the end of our of our discussion to what Gabriela said, because she said that uh, we have to make things easier. I'm not quite I, I don't quite quite agree with this because uh, <laughs> you're academic. How could yeah. you achieve your academic? <laughs> you live from complexity, dear head. The question, the question is uh, always: if we bring the mountain to Muhammad, or if we bring Muhammad to the mountain. <laughs> Meaning, if we make things easier and easier, where will we go from a cognitive point of view as human beings? So my way is the other way around. We should bring, or should uh, bring people nearer to complexity and make them understand complex scenarios instead of make it always easier. It's complex enough. I agree with you. It, the world is so complex already. We c cannot, uh, you know, move to ancient times. Yeah? But uh, in ancient times, avoid... things were easier. I don't know if the correct way is to step away from complexity. You can't. You can't anyhow. You know, I fully agree with you in this respect. We have to learn to cope with complexity, but to make the life easier, you know, when I use that notion, I mean to avoid all the mess, you know, mm. because without managing the, your language and your terminology, you are not increasing complexity, you know, you are just decreasing clarity, you are increasing a mess. And this is what actually people annoys a lot. And to make their life easier is to provide a source of truth, you know, to provide valid data. 
the data and the database can be as complex as they have to be. Yeah? But it is not complex for them. It makes their life easier because they can rely on that data. You know, and then their life is easier because they don't have to browse and to search and to, to think of, oh, is this the correct version? You know, is this the, the term I can use or should use? Yeah. That is not complexity, but it's, it's just, you know, it's a burden. It's a, a pain in their neck. And this makes their life easier when we sort out these troubles, yeah, these okay. uh, uh, inconsistency and all the stuff, you know, all the mess. Yeah. Actually, to say one of our listeners, he has a good point and he's agreeing with you guys. He says, I believe there's useful complexity and there's pointless mess. <laughs> Very good. All agree Very good. That. Yes, it was. definitely. Um, we're running out of time, but we had a question from one of our listeners and we definitely want to answer that before we stop this panel. So he's from Sweden and he's saying in Sweden, we see an increase in the number of people working with terminology or closely related activities, but which have a different background. Like, for example, they are knowledge managers or demand analysts. Does this, in your view, alter the processes of terminology work, arguments used or even the tools? Very good question. Thank you. Who wants to answer? <laughs> Or shall we all? <laughs> Because this is what we experience a lot, in particular also software engineers, and that's really good news. I'm so proud that more and more people from all over the world, from the software, they have no linguistic background, and they join us, and they join us at the advanced level of our certification trainings. You know, not the basics or the advanced level, and that's very important. And I don't think that it will change. It will change the way we are going to educate people, actually, because we always have very heterogeneous groups. Maybe, maybe uh, for me, it's very natural that there are different backgrounds, and, and that's why I think it will not change. Maybe, maybe Isabella and, and Detlef should answer that. No, I don't think there is a big difference. I mean, actually, sometimes people do terminology work without even knowing it. If you think a web very developer. Good. And, you know, uh, software developers, they might be busy with ontologies, taxonomies, etc. And that's already terminology work. So they just don't know. Maybe they're not aware that it is. But knowledge management, uh, knowledge managers or whatever the title is nowadays, that's already has a component of terminology. So, no, I think the process will probably be designed based on your criteria and your requirements. But mm -hmm. there should be something completely different. And I think the core will always be the same. What changes are applications context. Mm -hmm. True. True. But, uh, terminology is a long-standing <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and big change in the basics. So uh, I don't think that this would uh, alter the, the processes in terminology. But always depends on in which context we are working. And so mm -hmm. I think the scenarios will change. Um, But uh, the, the pure terminology processes would be quite stable in the future as well. Mm. And, and would you say that it might vary depending on the industry itself? Or? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> what I mean is what, what varies is, uh, for example, the data models. Now, as you asked me in the beginning, data models change uh, if you are working in monolingual uh, context or in multilingual context. If you are working in product data environments, uh, in artificial intelligence, industrial data. So this is what changes. 
but the core business, the core terminology business will always be the same. But people, people don't want to hear. Every industry thinks it's so specific. <laughs> I have to kind of balance. On the one hand, I comfort our clients. Well, you're not alone. Yeah. Even in other industries, uh, they managed 23 or 33 languages and translations, etc. And on the other hand, I have to kind of point out, yeah, there are some special things, but at the end of the day, the basics, as as uh, Detlef said, the basics are always the same. And and to repeat it, to start the terminology project, people, processes, tools, and this is always the same uh, in each and every industry. But of course, you the people want to hear their their company or organization is very specific, their industry is very specific, but at the end of the day, the basics are always the same and kind of very sustainable <laughs> over time, obviously. Well, guys, we're really out of time. We had a lot more <laughs> questions for you. We wanted to talk more about TBX and some more uh, process stuff of terminology management. But we'll I have think a look at your tool. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to have no, a look at our... Yes, I'm That's curious. It supports. <laughs> Yes. So in the meantime, I want to thank you guys for joining us on our panel. And we're going to head Pleasure. over to our colleague, Sarah Mendes. She's the specialist at Wordby for terminology. And she's going to show you our terminology management tool within Wordby Translator, which is our translation management system. So I'm going to mute you all and we're going to give the stage to Sarah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This was another episode of the International Buzz Podcast. If you would like to see the demonstration of Wordbeast terminology management tool, then feel free to go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Wordbee to watch the video recording of this discussion, including the demonstration. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>